0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, gang, Mike and Mark with you. Fans, our guest on this episode is perhaps baseball's poster boy, we think, for perseverance, tenacity, and camaraderie and Mark, we've seen a lot in this game, but I don't know that I've ever seen anyone who the baseball gods have smiled upon more than now Cubs manager David Ross.
1: Yeah, and timing is everything, Mike, isn't it? And and, and when you have good timing, it really embodies the the type of work that you did in your career. And we're going to dive into David Ross, so many different great moments, but really identifies one of those guys that grinded out a career and now is really uh, running the ship in Chicago. So it's exciting, and I'm I'm excited
0: to have my former teammate on. All righty, let's bring in the skipper. David, thanks for the time.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, Mike and Mark. It's uh it's nice to uh, to get back and connect with Mark, especially we don't get to catch up that much, and being on the different coasts. So uh, when he called and asked me, that's a no-brainer, a guy that uh, definitely had a, an impact on my career, as I know he did a lot of guys, but um yeah man it's nice to come on talk baseball and talk some some different sides of baseball especially in this time when I think we're all itching to get a little more baseball in our life
0: yeah I think you're 100% right And there's so much to get to with what has been a wonderful career for you but I want to start with what we think if ever there was a mic drop signature moment we think it had to have been yours 2016 World Series Cubs Indians game seven Last game of your career, you come in to catch John Lester, who is on in relief of Kyle Hendricks in the fifth inning. The Cubs, by the way, are leading at the time 5-1. to Things get a little squirrely there. The Indians pick up a couple of runs. Then you come up in the top of the sixth. Your Cubs still leading 5-3. And you then become the oldest player ever to Homer in the World Series. And you do it in what would become your final at bat in your career. Game 7 home run major league at bat the last one all
2: right
0: yeah right yeah how about that you you had some time now to let it set in it wasn't yesterday it's been a little while but how do you remember that night in Cleveland
2: yeah well just the nerves right knowing that I'm going into my last game I think just that kind of encompassed a a lot emotionally just personally for me and then uh, playing in a game seven and be around that group of guys I mean obviously it's well documented like special group um you know the back and forth of that game. <laughs> the funny thing about that home run, I had just gotten in the game, the ending before, and two runs came in. Catch my buddy John Lester and uh, threw a ball in the stands. Like some of that lead change <laughs> happened because of me. Everybody remembers the good moments, thank goodness, because we won. But uh, but there, I, I you know me personally as a competitor, you also remember the mistakes you make and uh, and how we got to that position. So uh, yeah, special night and uh, real real special night in Cubs history and in my career too.
1: Rossi, when you look at it, uh, Joe Madden, the manager, uh, had to have that script. And sometimes we all know in baseball, that script doesn't happen. Kyle Hendricks, as Mike alluded to, starts the game. He pitches a very good game. But it was, it was a scenario that when you were designated as that guy for John Lester, that comfort level that you guys already developed, you already knew you were coming in. What was that like? Because that's not a norm. It really is game seven. It's about winning that that particular inning. What was it mentally for you? Because you're used to starting a game and getting in that swing of things, maybe an inning or two. But that was a scenario that was already scripted, wasn't
0: it?
2: Yeah, and it was unique. I didn't know when I was coming in. I just knew I was bringing John in when, he, when it happened. And so uh, you, you guys know in the baseball world how uh, – how crazy it is, how crazy routine oriented we are. Right. And so, um, it's amazing, uh, to, to, to get in that moment and try to try to go through your normal routine. But yeah, I was coming out of the bullpen with John. So, um, you know, when I called down and John got loose, he got up a couple of times. And a lot of people, uh, what they don't realize it's like, uh, I came in like half an inning early and Joe comes right up to me and asked me about John and, and, and the pitching coach, Chris Bosio. So like, first of all, Joe Madden, who I have a ton of respect for uh, comes out and asked me my opinion in the middle of game seven about like, how's he looking <laughs> and all that stuff. And so I'm so locked in and can't wait to get in the game. And John was throwing well and, um, Joe didn't want to get him up and, and down another time. He was only on two days rest. So I think that factored in a little bit of him coming in a little early and the matchup with Kipnis of uh, when, when he brought him in, we got the swinging bunt. I just happened to throw it in the stands and almost <laughs> kill Anthony Rizzo. And then that ball hits off my mask and kicks off and Kipnis does a, does a great job of base running. But, um, yeah, you, 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 you talked about it, swing, like we're so preparation oriented, routine oriented to be, di- to be uh, thrown off your routine and coming into the most important game of my career uh, was definitely a nerve wracking. And you're up there in the bullpen, just pacing. And, uh, you know, I look, I look back and smile because there were so many great memories from that. But um, yeah, man, it's fun. The nerves, the nerves were definitely high swing.
1: When you think about it, I, I love that because it, it is, it's how you emotionally can connect. And you had a moment even with your teammates and Anthony Rizzo that his emotions were going in and, and it was it was so perfect because that audio uh, captured you know what you're trying to do and calming him down and giving him the truth but I really want to dive into that at bat because those those uh, situations happen defensively the next inning you're hitting second yeah so you're you get up there with one out and you're going against Andrew Miller who you know uh, very well Take us into that on deck circle before you had that at bat, and where were you emotionally?
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, you he had arrived, told the the at bat story. But you're, I'm taking off my gear and uh, coming off the field, and John looks at me like with this concerned a little bit of concerned look. And I said, My bad, you're throwing the ball great, that's all me. Like, you stay right where you're at, your stuff's good, don't worry about that. And Um, so I think that got him in a good place. Right. And then I'm taking off my gear, you know, thinking, thinking like, okay, now I've got to get my mind right to go out here and having a bat. So I'm on deck. As soon as I walk on deck, like, you know, Cleveland's got the, the little kind of underneath like Anaheim does. Mm -hmm. And the fans are down there and there's like these guys wearing me out. Right. Like just, just giving it to me. And, um, and so I'm trying to lock in and I'm, I'm telling myself, calm down take a pitch, calm down, take a pitch. So I want to get in there and see a pitch. Sure enough, like really the only, other than the home run, the only strike I saw was this slider right down the middle. So I'm like, okay, I saw the slider. Let's have your bat. Threw me another slider that wrapped around my back leg. I think I fouled it, (laughs) fouled it. I never even saw the ball, I don't even know how to make contact, but fouled that off. Um, And then I get back in, he throws me a fastball away. And uh, I saw the kind of off and this is the only real pitch I I had kind of seen. I was in my two strike approach that had worked on that year and choked up and simplifying some things. So um, I get back in the box and I remember my my shin guard kind of popped off my, my little ankle guard. Uh, had popped off my leg and I started thinking about I'm like in there hitting I started thinking about the uh, my shin guard and I'm like get out of your head so I step out fix my shin guard I'm like okay let's have everything you're in the game seven of the World Series let's lock it in. Um and I got back in he shook and I had done some homework. I know Andrew well I know his bread and butter is that slider. Uh but I watched some video on him just because we had extra days um you know with the World Series and the playoffs and stuff and uh, he shook a lot to heater. So I kind of sold out to heater. He threw it down where I wanted it, put a good swing on it. And, um, the only thing, the only thing I was thinking of rajay is running back and sizing this thing up. And I'm like, if this guy robs this ball, I might <laughs> run out the tunnel and right. And just never come back. Cause, uh, I was, I was, I was super pumped to get one back and, uh, and, and super happy about that.
1: Was it a feeling when it went over you you rounded second base but you start getting all those high fives and going in the dugout was really that the first time that you took a breath i mean because it seemed like everything was sped up right
2: yeah man you everybody asked like how did you not react go around the bases and the guys i was mic'd up and didn't say a word i literally i hit first saw i go out and one of my favorite pictures my my uh first base coach is going crazy and in the background my whole the whole dugout just going you know with their hands up but um i hit i literally hit it first and was like thank god we got to run back because i just let in two and you know <laughs> it's like the sigh of relief i got a little bit of that back and i hit second and i literally started in my mind like who's up next for them um john's still in the game who's coming up you know there's so much wow. yeah you try to i'm trying to stay in the moment right like the one thing I've learned is a veteran and being in a world series is like, it's never over till it's over. Right. That whole thing in baseball. And, um, so I, I just literally was locked in. I hit third and gave Jonesy a pound and then it kind of hit me when I rounded third, like, Oh my God, I just went deep in game seven. My family's in the stands. <laughs> yes. hey to my family. Um, and, and, and then I don't know, I don't know what's the, on this podcast, are we allowed to, to, to say bad words? Are we of course. To- yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we get across, this is a whole nother story. I'm gonna go off on a tangent. But um, so I get I hit home plate, and I'm thinking about my family, so I think a little bit of emotion there. And the person there waiting on me is is Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward and I were together to start in Atlanta and this whole This whole high five we came up with, you know, remember the Dusty Baker thing where he invented a high five. So I wanted to invent something. So I came up with this this term called the cock bump. And we like (laughs) the language, but we like do like one leg up and like kind of kind of touch cup to cup as the guys was (laughs) by high five version. And so who's there? But the guy I know is so crazy. But who's the guy there? um, that's waiting on me is Jason Hayward. And he's looking at me like, I need a cock bump right now. So, <laughs> uh, so, um, we did that and it brought back, he's the one that made me, he's like, what happened to it? We had in Atlanta, it was, uh, Dan Uggle actually came up with it. And so, um, it was just a, a funny moment for me. Every time I watched that, I remember just locking eyes with Jason Hayward right there, the home plate and him waiting on, waiting on, waiting on that. So, uh, fun, fun story. And, and yeah, I was just the emotions go crazy. You start to try to stay focused. So I didn't, I didn't react that much.
0: You know, a lot of people call that Game 7, maybe the greatest Game 7 in baseball history. Uh, after nine innings, you get that quirky 17-minute rain delay in there. And then your buddy, Jason Hayward, another instrumental factor. To talk, talk to us a little bit about what really happened inside that, uh, that meeting room. Because I think there was a lot that got romanticized. But you being there and a big part of that, what was it like?
2: Yeah, it was intense. I mean, I would be lying to you if I knew every word that was said in there because you're, you're, there's so many things going on. Uh, and I think everybody's kind of like that. It, it, like it's it's really a blur. I got some like going in there. Jason Hayward, I remember as it's right, right as it's starting to rain, he was like, "I want hey, let's get everybody in the uh, weight room." I want I, I got to say something, and so uh, I don't know if he went around or or who all went around and got everybody, but we all end up in the in the lot, in the weight room right underneath in Cleveland. And then we come back, I, we we're missing Chappie. Uh, Araldis had given up the the home run and, um, you know, I you go back out looking for Chappie and he's on the, uh, on the bench with his uh, hands covering his face. He's crying, his hat, uh, just a, just a mess. And so I grab him like, Hey, you know, you start kind of, kind of counseling him about, Hey dude, like we wouldn't be here without you, you know, like this isn't anybody's fault trying to bring him in. And he comes in tears and uh, we got everybody in Hayward's, Uh, there just spoke to to you know we were the best team in baseball 103 wins throughout the season like let's get back to playing and our focus back to where it needs to be and guys guys said some stuff and and kind of said some stuff on top of that and then um we came out of that 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 meeting and it was almost like they were pulling the tarp already uh riz started yelling in the dugout about he had this whole rocky theme that he was going through about it's not how many times you get knocked down it's about how many times you get back up and he's screaming that and the, and and i remember Schwarber, i think either shore was leading off or up second i think he may have been leading off but he comes by and he's facing shaw who's got a nasty cutter and he walks by and he's he's got his batting gloves on batting his hand and he leans forward and he whispers in my ear. And he's like, if this, you know, what throws me a cutter in, I'm going deep. And so I was like, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're getting fired up. Um, and yeah, just a sense of energy. We needed that reset. Jay, Hey, you know, it was nice to pull us all together. Uh, it was nice. It was such a short rain delay. Um, and, and, and we were able to get back and keep that, that energy because, uh, to be honest, Swain and, and, and Mike, I, you get some moments in your career and if, as a veteran things happen and you realize it's part of baseball and you're able to turn the page really fast. But that Rajay home run, I, I couldn't get it out of my head for <laughs> two or three batters. I was, it was, I was, I was definitely uh, shook a little bit.
1: Yeah. And you think about that, Rossi, uh, so many emotions after that rain delay and you guys culminate with a, a victory. Chris Bryant throws it to first base, total euphoria. And, uh, I, I thought Fox did such a good job, uh, and you're mic'd up, it, it almost came into perfect uh, synchronization of what you were doing at the end, and you guys win, Ken Rosenthal is interviewing you, the emotion on your face, anyone that's been around you and been through your career, emotionally, were are right there with you, and it, it, was, it was one of those cool moments, but I think one of the ideal moments was when you're doing the interview and you're finished, here comes Rizzo and your teammates and they lift you up. Grandpa Rossi is on the shoulders. You don't see that very often. And uh, tell us what that really meant to you and the feeling that you had.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I I get I get I get choked up every time I talk about this because like, you know, Mike led in with a great career. Like I think if <laughs> you followed my career, uh, I was a very average player at best. Um and, and so I'm just super appreciative of the people that have affected my career. Um, the people who kind of shaped me, molded me, showed me what's right and wrong and and, and allowed me to to stay in the game for so long. So, uh, yeah, I'm over there with Kenny doing the, the post-game interview, and I'm just so thankful, man. The journey these guys took me on, the end of my career, who would have thought, going into Chicago uh, and, and ending my career in a World Series. Like, I, I really do um, put myself, the end of my career up there with, with just about anybody, our Jeter or, or T, it doesn't matter. Like, mine's up there. I You know, my stats aren't up there, but that that ending's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, man, they picked me up. And I I, one, I don't know what's going on. And uh, as Riz and Hayward uh, put me on their shoulders, I'm looking down and all my teammates are behind them. Um, I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than that. People ask me all the time about the coolest moments in my career, like, that's at the top. My teammates doing that for me and and showing how much they care about me and <clears throat> take me, put me out in that light is is so special. But I tell you the the awkward part is you're up on top of these shoulders. And you see all these fans and they're going crazy and our teammates. I didn't know what to. I was, it was like uh, it was like the movie. I didn't know what to do with my hands like Ricky Bobby. Like I was, I was like <laughs> throwing kisses like number one. Like yeah, whatever you know like. Who knows what I'm, uh, what you're supposed to do at the top of that? But it was, it was a definitely a cool moment, man. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that group of guys, what they've done for me in my career. Like, obviously, um, just catapulted me, and, and, you know, all the stuff that I got to do in retirement, and, um, you know, just whether it's financially, um, just status, all that is, is because of that group and the way they treated me.
0: Buddy, you had uh, a couple of signature moments, as you said. Maybe it's the back half, but the numbers uh, may say one thing, but the resume says two world series wins that's right. and one of them in Boston in 2013 after the bombings there so compare what those wins meant to the cities and your immersion in both cultures at the time 2013 Boston 2016 Chicago
2: yeah mike that's uh i love that that question because i get asked a lot like what's better boston or chicago and I tell people it's. I, I don't think you, I have one without the other. I learned so much in Boston uh, playing with guys like David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, Johnny Gomes, Mike Napoli, who is now on my coaching staff. Um, I mean Shane Victorino. It the list goes on and on. Being around that group that knew how to win um, uh, had been a part of a winning culture for a long time. Getting to catch Johnny, that's where our relationship really took off catching Johnny Lester there in Boston and lackey. And I mean, it just, there's so many great players on that team um, that I, that I got a chance to, to be a part of, but when something like that happens uh, in my first year, and a lot of our first years in Boston, it really connected us as a group. It, it brought us together um, a, a few days after uh, they captured the terrorist. It, it, we all kind of came together and, and Johnny Gomes was heading things up and getting the getting the, the jersey put up and um we we took a, a private visit on a day we didn't have games. We took a, a real undercover visit to hospitals. We all split up in these black cars as a team and went to these hospitals and visited these people that had been a part of the marathon and had lost limbs and um had saved people's lives and, and were running towards uh the danger and the bombs when everybody else is running away. So um, that stuff hits you really hard, and when you walk into these hospital rooms and 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 these fans are missing limbs, uh, and they light up because a Boston Red Sox player walks in their room, and especially one of my caliber, the the feeling you get of responsibility towards that is so powerful. Um, and that resonated with the group. We we carried that with us. We were playing for so much more than um than than a championship. We were playing to lift a city and 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 kind of take. That group, the, the city's mind off uh, the terrible uh, terrorist acts that had happened in such a special um, uh, Patriot's Day moment that's, that's special around Boston. So there was a lot of responsibility in that, and it, it brought us close as a, as a team and um, to that city really fast. And so winning that and being able to give the, that group, that, that city, something to, to be happy about, to celebrate was uh, extremely powerful and emotional.
1: I tell you what, Rossi, it's, it's awesome to hear your words uh, about the two championships because it has so much meaning to your life. But uh, this podcast is, is about Major League beginnings, so we're going to circle back. And this is when we dive into your moment, your call, and when you get that Major League debut and you get the call, uh, June 29, 2002, and we, we bring you all the way back when you were in a Dodgers uniform in the minor leagues. Tell us about that call. Who gave it to you and the events leading up to your debut?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, I was in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'll never forget we go out for stretch and our manager, Brad Mills, comes out um, and uh, Millsy was actually uh, the a bench coach in Boston when I got over there in 08 and then he was uh, and Tito's uh bench coach there for the World Series so me and Millsy go way back but he came and called the group together at this little short meeting you know it's a gazillion degrees in Las Vegas and we're getting ready to stretch you're ready for the game and he announced it to to kind of brought us all in the during stretch up together and uh just said um you know got an announcement to make one of our one of our uh you know, teammates are, are going to the big leagues and uh, we just gave, you need to give him a nice round of applause and congratulate him. And I'm just like looking around like, oh, who is it? And he said it was me. And man, I, I couldn't have been more floored. I don't think, um, you know, I think a lot of guys today see themselves going to the major leagues when they, as soon as they get drafted. I never had that mindset. I just literally enjoy playing baseball and trying to be the best I could at a or double A and and. You know, I'd been to some big league camps, but I felt like, you know, those were men like Eric Karos and and Kevin Brown. I mean, these are men, you know, they're playing game. These guys are humongous. I remember walking in it's like these giant is like, I don't belong here. Um, and so getting that call was really cool. And, and uh, I, I remember, go, I'm such an emotional dude, so excuse my voice as it cracks, but um, it, it I remember going into the locker room and like sitting in my locker and trying to compose myself and all I could think about was calling my parents. And so I called my parents and man, I I lost it just crying thinking like nobody can ever take that away as as long as I live and 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 you know, I don't care if I get a day or or 10 days or 15 whatever it is. I can say I was a big leaguer. So I, that was that was a cool moment, a powerful moment for me. I can I can picture myself in the dang hallway right now, in 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 uh, Cashman Field, and, and and making that call to my parents. Man, it was it was powerful, and um, you know, special 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 time. I think, in, in all our our yeah, big leaguers' lives is getting that call,
1: Rossi. I'm, we're we're trying to make you an emotional wreck, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> just a just a mess here in a podcast, hey, uh,
1: but we really want to get into uh, your first right, uh, so. When we dive into it, uh, tell us about your first hit and and uh, first home run, because I think those are special moments as well.
2: Yeah, that was cool. We were in Arizona, and it was September call-ups, and Andy Orpesa was on the on the mound, and we were – we were I got in the game late, a uh, little, little slinging lefty, uh, and I hit my first double in the gap uh, off him, and I was so thankful for that. And, and we kind of boat raced Arizona at the time, um, and so – uh, Gracie comes in, uh, Mark Grace, the first baseman, who obviously I think is a household name. Uh, if you're in baseball in my yep. generation, especially so, um, you know, he comes on the mound. And uh, uh, Mike Fetters, who had actually been with the Dodgers in one of my first big league camps, I know a little bit, so he's out there imitating him and, and enjoying it. And <clears throat> I'm watching. And he's just laying the first one in there to the first two guys. I'm up third and he, he lays in a fastball. And I think uh, Tyler Houston or somebody rolls over, pops one up. And um, so it becomes my my time. I'm on deck. I'll never forget. It. I'm like, if he lays in that first little 75-mile-an-hour heater, I'm swinging. So um, so I get in the box and and he he looks in. He throws that thing in there and I, I smoke it. Like I, I crush that. But maybe one of the first ones I've hit and um and it goes up there in Friday's front row and, and right up next to it and I'm round the bases, he's screaming at me, he's like, <laughs> You gotta be kidding me, you're killing my thunder kid and and you know how great he is. So yeah. he's been so fun and and I remember the next day I hit the home run and I was trying to just get around the base as fast as I could. The next day we did like a radio interview and he just took over the radio interview. And I had me laughing the whole time. I didn't really know him up in that point. And since uh, we've created a, a really good relationship in that moment. So um, I still I still got the bat swing. It's like a pro stock M110. Of course, <laughs> right? <laughs> no name on it. You know, everybody's got their name on their bat now and, and all this, everything <laughs> specialized. I've got a I've got a pro stock Louisville Slugger M110 or our first hit. It's crazy. That's hey, beautiful. however
0: it comes, but nobody can spin on 75 miles an hour. You know, not everybody can do that.
2: Well, the sky reports did, did, weren't out yet. He didn't know that was my bat speed. If he had <laughs> known 75 is exactly right into right into the loop I had.
0: David, let me uh, spin the clock a little bit ahead to 2008, because as Mark pointed out, it is major league beginnings, the podcast. And this is kind of a beginning of another chapter in your baseball life. I've read uh, that when you were with the Reds there at the end, um, you were a different different guy, and when Boston then signed you, uh, Theo Epstein uh, had a few comments to you that may have shaped you. How so?
2: Yeah, I was in – well, I was at a point in my career – I had a really good year in Cincinnati one year, kind of as, as a role player backup or, or kind of platoon with the other catcher. hit a lot of home runs. had to be Bronson Royals' personal catcher and uh, signed a two-year deal after that uh, good year I had. And so it was the first time I had really gotten uh, a payday and – Um, I had kind of gotten this, uh, you know, you start digging yourself a little bit in this game, uh, you have a little bit of success, you got it all figured out, right? I mean, um, so I definitely, uh, the ego got a little big probably in in some areas. And um, you don't know that at the time. I mean, experience and now just moving on, I realized that. But um, I think a little bit of, of, you know, my ego took over and Uh, Me and and Dusty Baker came in uh, my last year, and as a new manager, and I got hurt early on, and trying to come back, and it just didn't. I was in a bad place, and walked into his office after a a loss. Which now, being a manager, I understand where the uh, where the craziness came in, and and um, you know, I got released a couple days later, uh, and luckily Boston picked me up. I had a couple opportunities to go to some other places, and. Uh, Boston picked me up but uh, Theo at the end of that season in Boston we went all the way to the seventh game against Tampa Bay and they went on to go to the World Series to play uh, Philadelphia but uh, after that season Theo Epstein came up to me and just had said uh, that my kind of reputation was was being a bad teammate and, and I was selfish and uh, just for some real words. And goes, I'm just telling you this, cause I heard it from, from more than one person. And, uh, he goes, I hadn't seen this since you've been here. All the reports we get are good, but I just want to let you know what, what your reputation is. And, um, you know, luckily for me, I, I was raised with great parents and, 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 and understand to look in the mirror a little bit more, uh, than kind of point blame because it's easy to, in that moment to want to put up your dukes. and just the way I was raised, I just tried to look at, look in the mirror and, uh, and and uh try to assess you know myself and realize that those were real words he was giving me and i needed to to take them to heart and i just didn't ever want that to be said about me again so um i just started I, my next uh, after that off season i signed with atlanta i was around great human beings that, have, that again more people that affected my life brian mccann bobby cox uh um uh, uh, eric henske um, uh, Martin Prada there's tons. ton I mean the group was so uh, such a tight-knit group but um, I really learned what it was like to lift other people up from guys like Brian McCann and other teammates that I'd kind of lost my way a little bit mentally and when you back up and able to take a step back and really focus on uh, what's important and, and being there for your teammates and, and some things I learned being around that group uh, kind of changed my career.
1: Rossi it's amazing uh, how, how so many guys mold your career and, and I love that you're you're throwing those names out there because that, that really formulates uh, what's next in life. We already alluded to your, your last swing was a home run. You got a World Series championship with the Cubs. Then you start realizing this is another major league beginning. It is a beginning of what's next for me. And that created opportunities. And you decided to go on broadcasting. You were on Dancing with the Stars there were so many things that it's interesting, even though I know you don't have very good dancing moves. <laughs> I was very impressed, buddy, with that. Real impressed. <laughs> really impressed. But uh, it, it, it fires you into an opportunity, and you can look at Aaron Boone. You look, you look at so many guys that haven't had that experience, but your experience was on-the-job training, all of those teammates that you had. And now you have an opportunity to manage the Chicago Cubs. Theo Epstein, who had that meeting with you, ends up hiring you as a manager of the Cubs to take them in a direction of getting into another championship. What was that like? What was that journey leading up to that opportunity to be the manager?
2: Yeah, well, I, did, well, I tell you, talking about a swing, like talking about people affecting your life, That my last year in Chicago, really my last two years, um, I saw Ryan Dempster at the end of the, my Boston run, taking advantage of every opportunity and, and really um, trying to get outside of the box of things we normally do. We go on the road and we sit in our hotel room, we get rest and we go to the ballpark and we, we, we you know, work out, play the game, we come home and, and you hang out with the boys. Um, he was out, you know, we would go and and visit new sites. So we'd go to Times Square and walk around. He just would get out and do things on the road because he said, when am I going to get to do these things again as a major leaguer and have this schedule? So I started kind of going on some of those with him and it really resonated with me when I knew I was ending my career. So taking advantage of opportunities and Joe Madden was great at, at allowing the veterans to do their thing. So that kind of catapulted me into the to the dancing with the stars and going on espn and being a broadcaster like taking advantage of opportunities that are presented to me and seeing what happens let me give all myself to this opportunity and see where it takes me uh maybe i love it maybe i hate it maybe it's just another chapter in my life so that started in on um with all that those things and then theo calls and and says hey i want to bring in for an interview after i had been around and watched games with them and uh, what a huge honor that is first of all and I don't think I think sitting on the bench, as I know you did, you you manage the game from the bench mm-hmm. as a veteran player. And you're thinking about what you would do if it was yours. And um, I went into that interview just with an open mind and knowing those guys really helped me out. But I just went in and was like, I want to be me. And um, I know a lot of those guys in there. And it was a great interview. I just with myself and the questions they asked me my heart kept coming out of what i believed i couldn't believe the words that were coming out of my mouth of exactly what i would do in certain situations how i'd handle this how i'd handle that and it all went back to my experiences and how i felt and the mistakes i've made the people that influenced my career and so all those things really uh culminated in that meeting and i left that meeting going wow i I really want this job. And I got a call back luckily uh, for a second interview and it was a lot more intense. Uh, it was, it was definitely, I had some stuff I had to prepare, but um, I knew I wanted it at that point. I knew I wanted to, to um, instill my beliefs and the things that um, I think uh, entail winning to the group that was there in Chicago. So, um, and then you get the job and they are like, oh boy, here we go. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get ready. Let's get ready and, and try to prepare.
1: Rossi, uh, when you get that job, you go through the press conference, there's a lot of emotions. I know uh, I I saw uh, a video of you. You worked out before the the press conference. So you go through that press conference, and then you start formulating your staff. There's so many details that you have to do leading up to spring training. But spring training, that first meeting is special. And it's almost like you don't want to mess it up because we've all been in those as, as players sitting in your locker and listening to that message. And it's the rally cry of what goes on. Take us into that thought process for you. And who did you ask uh, for opinions? And how did you formulate that and dive into that meeting if you could?
2: Well, I, in, my, in my kind of downtime of, of not being a player anymore and speaking some in, in the off season, I, I had spoken a, a lot more and really you, you learn your passions and things you believe. So I had kind of a blueprint of that. I had to give a mock draft for my uh, final interview and, and um, of what I would my spring training would, would be. Uh, my spring training speech would be in Chicago. So I did that in front of uh, Theo and the whole front office group in the locker room. So um, that was nerve wracking. But then you think about what you believe in winning and those things. And you ju- I just jotted them down all off season and thoughts I would have. And literally I had my, my phone next to me. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and jot down something that I had just thought about and go back to sleep. Couldn't get things off my brain because it, it is important and you're trying to impact. And I want these guys to know me <clears throat> as the the guy they, Uh, remembered a player, but I also had a new role and an authoritative role. And I wanted to, I wanted to give some real truths, to be honest. I I wanted to, I wanted to tell them who I was and what I believe unfiltered. um, This is me. These are things I believe in. And this is this is why I believe in them. And so um, I started jotting those down. And man, I couldn't tell you. I I probably don't even know what I said, but it poured out like uh, like a like somebody broke a dam. It just came out, and it was natural. It it was organic. I got a lot of good feedback from my from my former teammates, some of the coaches that were in the room, wishing they could still play. Like I mean, I poured my heart out to the group and and told them what what I what I believe. And so. Um, luckily that went well. And, um, and then it was just, you know, it's all just just managing things and, and getting everything in order and trying to, trying to start the process.
1: Rossi, is it a different trust? Because as a catcher, you know how trust with your pitching staff, with every individual pitcher, but now you have a, a group of men and you're also leading the front office. There's so many different elements and layers to that is it different for you or are you just taking it the same way you always were
2: inside you as a player? I'm, I'm finding that balance, Sween, It's, um, you know, the, the the thing that nobody tells you about is you're also leading a group of coaches, mm-hmm. right? I'm a group of men, grown men that are really your peers and, and you've looked up to a long time and, and their work and their work ethic. So um, that's the one thing I can't could be more thankful for is the hard work of my coaching staff, the way uh, they they kind of help teach me in their areas and, and walk me along, but I still know what I believe and, and I don't ever want to be fake or, or unauthentic. I, I that's a strength of mine. So um, I, I try to really have conversations. I try to, to try to bring a marriage to front office and information and players and coaching staff and 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 I'm the I'm the go-between and, and, and I try to be that one voice that everybody hears and and um, and this is what I believe. And you know I don't I don't know how many opportunities you're gonna get at this. Uh, Joe Tory told me a great thing at the winter meetings of like, you know, these things come and come and go and, and they usually don't end well, which I knew when I when I started the job. But um, the fact that I get to do what I want to do and put my stamp and the things that I believed in winning on on a group that is very talented uh, is extremely, extremely powerful and rewarding and, and um, something that I'm super passionate about right now.
0: Well, we got to wish you the best, my friend. And hopefully we get this started, Uh, very soon and you get a chance to implement all that you've learned
2: oh man i hope so i can't believe we're done already i could talk to you guys all day long hopefully we can do this again so it's a lot of fun
0: well we're trying to keep to a manager's tight schedule right now so we'll let you go do your thing david thanks so much for the time
2: i appreciate that guys so good to be with you mark mike i really appreciate you guys having me on all the best to you guys and uh and we'll talk soon
0: thanks rossi proud of you man thanks buddy Thanks, David. Boy, 15 seasons in the big league, seven teams, but a couple of World Series wins, rings that can never be taken away. So David Ross is our guest, the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And, folks, thanks again for checking out Major League Beginnings. Hope you had a great time. I know we did. We're asking you if you would. Please subscribe uh, from your download app, whichever one you usually like, whatever platform, doesn't matter to us. Apple Podcasts could be Google Play, Spotify. We're just happy to have you aboard, and we hope to catch you next time.